University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. So in case anyone doesn't know, my name is Liz. Um, I've been here about two months as uh, the summer youth and other associated things intern. And uh, I was supposed to preach last Sunday, but the storm scare kind of got us. And so Andy was gracious enough to let me preach this Sunday. And I think the allergies down here are finally hitting me, so I apologize for me clearing my throat too much. But I'm very thankful to be here. Um, It's an honor for me to preach places and be invited to do that. And this is only the third place that I've preached since uh, becoming an ordained minister in February. So it's also very special to me. And keeping in line with the series that we've been on, uh, we are going to once again be in the Gospel of Matthew, but this time in chapter 13. The parable of the sower. It's pretty well known. Um, I don't have a lot of knowledge, background of the Bible, and, and I've heard this one several times. It's a very popular camp tong as a theme that Megan told me this morning. And um, when Andy gave me options, the other one seemed a little scary. So I was like, parable, classic. I haven't preached from a parable before. It'll be great. So here we are. And it's a lot of verses. It's verses 1 through 23, but we're kind of going to base on two sections here. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to be in, once again, Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, Some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. So the Gospel of Matthew follows a narrative and discourse literary outline, which I only knew because I took New Testament one, and my teacher would be very proud. But basically, there's six sections of narratives, and in between them, there's a discourse. And here in chapter 13, it falls on the third discourse, aptly named the parable discourse. And I don't know if you've looked at chapter 13 of Matthew recently, but there's a lot of them. Along with, uh, besides the parable of sower, there's the parable of the wheat, which is well known, and of course the parable of the mustard seed, also a very well-known one. But the very first one is the parable of the sower. I was excited when I first sat down to start uh, writing my sermon. I've never preached on a parable, as I'd already said, and I was excited. There's all kinds of room to do with that. But then as I started to read and to study, I got a little nervous and I got a little worried because it's a classic parable. What could I possibly say that people hadn't already heard before? 
who was I to preach from this parable? A couple of Mondays ago in our staff meeting, Andy made us all take a temperament test. Yeah, let that sit for a minute. So basically there's 40 rows of words, and from each row or column we had to choose one word. He said it should be quick, you should know instantly which one describes you the best. And for some of us sitting at the table, we realized very quickly that the top section of words were nice ones, and the bottom section of the words were not so nice ones. So for example, some of mine from the top were considerate, orderly, loyal, and thoughtful. This is where you nod your heads. Yeah, that's great, Liz, it sounds just like you. And some of my words from the bottom section were insecure, unforgiving, too sensitive, and critical. Thank you for not nodding your heads at that point. So as it turns out, you add up all the points you get from each column, and you somehow get assigned an animal that describes your temperament test. And this is also the point where I could very easily tell you what all the staff members got, but I will not do that. They can tell you that on their own accord, but you can just ask them now. But I will tell you that I was labeled as a bear, apparently, um, but as Andy was explaining the descriptions and he sent us them later, I realized it was pretty spot on. And one of the descriptions he said was, sometimes when bears are asked to do something, they immediately have some doubt about their ability to do so, i.e. me when I sat down to write this sermon. And so it was good for me to have a name to what was happening and um, to my nerves that were going on. But I also had to think about the good words. And one of them that stuck out to me was thoughtful. I think I'm pretty thoughtful. So after that meeting, I sat down and I reread the scripture and I said, you know, I'm just gonna rethink it over. We're gonna redo the whole thing. And so I started reading more in depth this time and being more thoughtful while I was reading and especially the ending. So we ended in verse nine and right now we'll pick up at verse 18 if you're following along. Here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures for only a little while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruits and yields, in case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. There you go. The beauty of this parable is that Jesus tells the parable and then explains it. So my job was already done, right? Except if you are anything like me, sometimes when you read Jesus' explanations, it sometimes confuses you further. Jesus has a tendency to kind of confuse sometimes. And so I sat in the office the past few weeks when I was writing this sermon, and I was having a hard time. And I knew that God was leading me to say something, but I couldn't articulate what that something was yet, and it was very frustrating. 
and bless the staff members because they know, and they were very kind to me in my bouts of frustration. And enough times in the office, I would sit with Ara and Helena, two of our wonderful women that work in the office, um, and try to describe to them what God was telling me. And they listened dutifully, which I am grateful for. But talking out loud was something that helped me sort of discern what God was telling me to share and what God was trying to tell me as well. So we're all kind of aware of the metaphor that's present here. It's connecting the seed and the soil to the kingdom of God. And fair warning, this metaphor, I will be exhausting it. It's, we're just going to take it there. So it'll, it'll all wrap up in the end, trust me. But it's just, you'll see what I'm talking about. And as we read earlier, Jesus says that there was a sower. And as he sowed, there were seeds that fell on the path and fell onto the ground and fell among the thorns and fell on good soil. The common interpretation that we usually give this as Christians is that we must be in the good soil so that we can have yields that are sometimes 10 times higher than that of other seeds and that when we dwell in the kingdom of God, we thrive. And I love that. It brings me hope that if I choose to be in the kingdom of God, that I will thrive like that as well. And this is a great interpretation and it also is very uh, encouraging to all of us. But this morning, I'm going to offer another interpretation. And this is not going to be a end-all, be-all, you have to choose one, but maybe something in addition to. And it's definitely something I had never thought of before. So ironically enough, while I was doing some research for this sermon, I came across a post from Twitter, <laughs> which I have never done in, in um, sermon prep before, but it, on, uh, one of the posts was this picture. And I thought it was really interesting and along with it was a po was a, kind of a description that said, read Matthew 13, 1 through 23, the parable of the sower. Which type of ground or soil are you going to be? We Christians have an important decision to make. And that's what the post said with this picture. So when I looked at it at first, I couldn't, real I couldn't really put a name to why it was kind of bothering me. And then eventually I realized it didn't seem to make sense the way it was depicting what choice we have. It seems, it's saying that we have to choose what soil we're going to be in, but instead I think the question really should be what are we going to do with the soil that we have? In the parable it reads, some seeds fell among the thorns, fell among rocks, and fell on the good soil. They weren't strategically placed there, they fell upon there. So the choice doesn't seem that we get to choose what soil we get to be in, and that can be kind of scary. But what are you gonna do with the soil that you have? And another reason the post kind of bothered me was that it facilitated this idea was that if you weren't in the good soil, smiling and happy, then you were done. And I don't know about you, but I'm not always smiling and happy. Sometimes it's hard to do that. So I can't believe in a world that we live in today with as many bad things, we'll say, happening, that we can believe that there's a one, one choice, one-time choice, and you're set. I think it comes to us in cycles, and especially in seasons of our lives. Because since I've become a Christian, there have definitely been times that I have been in rocky soil. And to be honest, 
I feel like that's where I am now. I'm going into my last year of divinity school, which is great, hallelujah. But I have no idea what I'm doing after I graduate. And that's scary. I didn't have to worry about that when I graduated from undergrad because I was going to divinity school. There was no lull. But I was on track for college for a degree in marketing that made both my parents happy and I liked decently. And then halfway through, I knew that I was being called into ministry. And so I went from a very structured plan to choosing something that my parents who aren't in church know nothing about. And now I graduate in May and I have no idea what I'm gonna do. And I worry that I'll let my parents down. So yeah, I'm a little in the rocks and the thorns right now, but that's okay. Just because we become Christian doesn't mean that we are set in the good soil always. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I don't know about you, but being a Christian is hard. It was much easier when I wasn't one. It's hard to stay in the good soil when you're worried about your future, when someone that you care about dies, when you're worried about financial things, when you're in between jobs, when you're worried if your children are happy, and whatever else you may be struggling with. It's hard to be in the good soil all the time. So the question then becomes, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do if we do identify that we may not be in the good soil? Because I'm, I'm, right, I'm not there right now, friends. So what do we do? Are we just gonna sit there or are we gonna take care of it? And this is the part that I wish I could insert an answer for you here, but I can't. It depends on all of us individually to decide that we want to do something with our soil. And we can ask people around us to help, but we have to be the ones to decide to do it in the first place. And I don't have that answer for all of you. I only have it for me. When I was a sophomore in college, I had something very traumatic happen to me. <clears throat> and after that happened, I felt like I had been pushed aside and then some was in the thorns, in the rocks, and being scorched by the sun all at once. I did not know that I could have recovered from that. And that first summer was the first time I started ministry. So two months later, just shy of two months later, I went on a mission trip with my church and got the clearest call into ministry God could have ever given me. And y'all, I am thankful because at that point in my life, I was so deep into the thorns that I wouldn't have been able to hear it any other way. And so for me, I had to open myself up to be vulnerable enough to hear God in the first place, which is not something I always do. And for each of us, that will look different. Yours could look like mine. You could just have to take some time and listen for God but you could also have to do something else, and I really wish I could give you that answer. The parable of the sower is the one that reveals to us the hope of Jesus. This path that Jesus is inviting us on, both in this series and in this parable, is one of self-discovery and strength. If I believed the post that I saw from Twitter, I don't know if I would have any hope because I can't always choose to be in the good soil. I want to be, but sometimes I can't. And don't let it deceive you that just the good soil looks happy. You can be plenty happy and not be in the good soil. 
You just have to decide what to do with it. And of course, we all want to be in the good soil all the time, but my advice is that don't let it tear you down if you aren't in it. This interpretation of the parable of the sower shows us a Jesus that is compassionate and understands that we all struggle. Because, newsflash, Jesus also struggled. The first thing that came to me was when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. We talked about this in youth group the other day. You all remember? Thank you. <laughs> and he was upset. And then the other thing, completely opposite that I think of, is when Jesus was flipping tables because he was going through it. So I think it's naive of us to think that Jesus doesn't understand that sometimes we can't be in the good soil because we're going through it, because Jesus did too. It also reveals a Jesus that knows when we care for ourselves and those around us, we can have yields that are 100 times as much as normal. Again, I told you I was going to be exhausting the metaphor, so thanks for sticking with me. So I'll give you instructions for our time after the Lord's Supper this morning, but I want you to start thinking now, what kind of soil are you in? It's okay if it's good soil, that's great. And it's okay if it's not. I encourage you to think of what it is.